Good afternoon. I'm glad some people braved the snow. Scott Brighton calls that a winter shower, and that's what I... After all we saw in December, that's like nothing, that little bit of snow. So I'm glad you guys are with us, and uh, it's great to be together. It's great to be, um, as that is the theme for the year, together. Um, and it's great to be able to study out, uh, really, the, the Bible, uh, the church in the Bible, and see how they were together, so that we can see how we should be together. Um, before we get into it, I've got a couple of announcements to go through. Uh, so this Wednesday at 7.30pm is the Singles and Student Devo. Woo! Yes! That's 7.30 at the BAYC. And then this Friday is the Teen Devotional at 7.30pm. That was my, I don't know, what that was my teen scream, whatever. Um, and then we've also then back here next Sunday as well at 11 o'clock. And then we've got a special announcement. Coming up on the 17th of March is the Mary's Dinner and Dance. So that'll be again the 17th of March. And the theme is Rejoice from Proverbs 5 verse 18. It starts 7 p.m. till late, as late as you guys want to be out having fun. And uh, food will be served at 7:30 p.m. There'll be a Mr. and Mrs. competition. Is that dancing? No. Okay, I'm sorry, I don't. Know. You guys know what it is, Mr. and Mrs. competition with prizes for winners and runners-up. A three-course sit-down meal. Wow. Vegetarian menu on request. Um, there'll be music on the night, 70s, 80s, classics. Uh, the tickets are being sold uh, this afternoon, just up the back there. Um, and it's £21 per head for a three-course meal and a great night is a great deal. Dress is formal um, and the address is the Park in Hotel, Hallard Banqueting Suite, West Bromwich. Um, and you can also stay the night there if you'd like. Uh, there's accommodation... And, uh, and also, really, we want to be using this as a great evangelistic event. Uh, so please be inviting friends, family. Um, it'll, I've heard in the past there's always been lots of visitors. So it's, it sounds like a great opportunity to be able to uh, reach out and show what a marriage, when God is at the centre, how awesome that could really be. So let's, uh, let's be praying for that and uh, go up the back at the end for more details on that. So we're, we're carrying on with the theme together. Uh, last week uh, we had Mike Howell who uh, gave us a great sermon on, on minding the gap and, and being together. And, uh, and it was that idea of walking side by side each other. And that was an awesome lesson. And, uh, and the week before that, Forrest talked about this idea of again being together. And we looked at Acts 2. And uh, we looked at Acts 2.42 where it talks about um, all the believers were devoted. And it talks what they were devoted through. And, and, uh, and we talk, looked at that idea of obsession. That when we're devoted to the fellowship, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to the apostles' teachings, it's kind of like being obsessed with it. And we've got a great overview of all those things. And so we'll be carrying on in Acts chapter 2. Um, we'll go, so if you could turn your Bibles in Acts chapter 2 to verse 42, we'll read 42 through 47, but we'll be focusing in here on 44 to 45. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. 
says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Great passage of scripture. Again, we read this and this is the image we get of, of the church when it first began. And we read this and we think, how awesome would it be if that was this church? And prayerfully, it is or it will be, or it's becoming that. And that really is the goal as we read this, for us to be that. And again, last, last well, two weeks ago, we looked at that idea of they devoted, and it was um, apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to breaking bread, to prayer. And that was like an, a big summary, basically. And then Luke, who wrote Acts, he, he kind of goes on after that from 43 to 47, and he basically sort of unpacks it all. And he starts giving examples of what each of those looks like. And we're going to focus on 44 and 45, where it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And really, that, that to me is, is the unpacking of where he says they were devoted to the fellowship. And the title of our lesson is Everything Together. Everything Together. And the reason I say that 44 and 45 is, is like the example of of fellowship is is because of last week well two weeks ago sorry we we learned a word whoops it's the wrong way we learned a word uh, I was going to quiz you guys but anyways the Greek word for fellowship was koinonia and that idea of to have in in common to to have a partnership and as we read that's what fellowship means and, and as we read 44 to 45 we see they had everything in common and that's the Greek word not up there. That's the Greek word koina, which again is to have in common, to have a partnership, fellowship. And so we get this idea of this is what real fellowship looks like. And if you've been around the church for a while, you've heard the word fellowship before. And quite often when we hear that word, we sort of, we sort of picture maybe a whole kind of like this. We picture people standing around, maybe with a cup of tea and a bicky and uh, a cupcake, eating and chatting and having some fun. And, and then you get tired as the day goes on and it's cold and so you say, better go home. And, and you go home and that was fellowship. And sh- sure, but, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's this partnership. It's this everything in common. It is an epic thing. And when I think of fellowship, I kind of think of Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring. And I've got a quick video here. Um, well, oops, that works. Back. 
be destroyed and then it's something right. And in Christ, we The river's made fires of none food. Yeah. 
Fellowship of the Ring. And it's, it's this epic, uh, epic scene where they're all arguing and then Frodo, little Frodo Baggins goes, I will take it. And they're all just shocked. And they say, well, if, and Gan- I don't know if you could hear what Gandalf said. He goes, he goes I, th- it's, I think he mentioned, he goes, if you're going to bear this burden, I'll bear it with you. And then uh, Aragorn says, you've got my sword and Legolas, you my uh, bow and Gimli, my axe. And it's this epic image of people coming together for a greater good. Not, not for self-seeking, for self, but, but to, cr- to serve a greater purpose. And that's, that's the image of fellowship in the Bible. Coming together. As Luke was writing Acts chapter 2, that's, that's what he had in mind. Everyone working together, not for self, but to bring glory to God. And, and as we read that Acts 2, it's, you read it and it talks about how they were selling uh, possessions and even property. And we read stuff like that and it, it kind of can make us a little uncomfortable. Because we all own lots of things. I own lots of things. And, and I've, no, oh, I've noticed, I realise that once you move house, you really notice how much stuff you have. When we were coming to the UK, we only had a small two-bedroom apartment, but the amount of stuff that was jam-packed in there. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm glad we don't have a massive family with a big house. It would be a nightmare. But, but again, we have so much stuff, and so much stuff that we call private property. We don't want anyone to touch it or steal it. Stay away. And we can read this and we can sometimes feel a little threatened. Say, well, it's not a command. That was maybe just how they did it back then. And you're right, it's not a command. There was no one forcing them. There was no one telling them to do it. They volunteered themselves to do it. And that, that is that idea of fellowship, a partnership. And, and that's the heart that, that we need to have. And, and as I was reading this, I was thinking of, uh, I've been reading through Romans lately, and I was reading Romans 12, and, and I couldn't help as I was reading Acts 2 to think of Romans 12. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, we've got two points today, they'll be semi-quick. First point, in view of His mercy. In view of his mercy. Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore, this is Paul writing here, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Great scripture. And if you've read Romans, you know that that Paul's kind of spent probably about chapters 1 to 11, pretty much, talking about God's grace. How we're saved, not by works, but that we're sinful in the eyes of God, yet he saved us. Exactly what Rory and Ruthie were talking about in the communion, that that it didn't matter how bad we were, that, that God saved us. He spends 11 chapters talking about that. Then he gets to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, in view of that, in view 
of God's loving mercy. Offer yourselves. Volunteer. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And that's just what we read in Acts 2, isn't it? They were living sacrifices. And again, you think, okay, but what's the motivation here? What's, what's the motivation um, What's the motivation to, to be a living sacrifice? What, what is it for you? I know for me it sometimes can be fear. Fear that what will people think if I don't, or fear what might God think, and, and we can get driven by fear to do things. But, but we all know fear as a motivation is draining. It may move you at first, but, but you get exhausted. You'll focus, eventually focus more on things that you don't have than that you do have, and you'll be focused just on the negative. And that never lasts. Our motivation can't be people-pleasing, linked to, to fear, but... I know myself, that can be a huge thing. Caring what people think and, and basing my uh, decisions and actions off that. And that's just a roller coaster ride, isn't it? Where we're, oh, this person and that person, then oh my goodness. And, and in the end, we're just serving self because we just want people to like us. What is your motivation for being a living sacrifice, for living for God? Have you been living the Christian life, doing these things just so you don't go to hell or hoping to escape punishment out of fear, out of emotion? That won't last. Our proper motivation needs to be His mercy. God's mercy. You need to remember that God pulled you out of that pit however many years ago it was. The terrible life you had before you became a disciple. You're on the wide road leading to destruction. And God rescued you. But he didn't just stop there. He didn't just sort of proclaim not guilty. Like a judge. He he then adopted you into his family. He says, I want you to be mine. That is awesome. And that's what needs to be our motivation. Even times when we sin on purpose, we deliberately sin. Even though we still do sin after we've been saved, God still is there with open arms. And we need to remember that. We need to cling to that. We need to never forget that. Because that is what will be our motivation to our last day on earth. And I know for me personally, I studied the Bible when I was 17 years old. Um, that was about nine years ago. And, and throughout my studies, the guys studying with me, they'd get together. We'd probably, we're probably studying. It was in the holidays, school holidays. And I think we'll study maybe two or three times a week. And they would always ask me, have you been reading your Bible? And I would always say, yes. And I hadn't been. But every day, have you been reading your Bible? Yes. What have you been reading? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to think of something I know. If they ask me, what did I think about it? I can tell them. And I, I lied for probably about a month of studying. I lied every single time. Why? Because I cared what they thought. I didn't want to get found out. I, I, fear was my motivation. 
And I remember we, we got to the cross, we studied the cross out and my sin, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, it, it can't be about me pleasing these guys or fear. God has sacrificed his son for me, for all that mess. And, and I can remember it was that light bulb moment where I thought, no one even had to tell me to read the Bible. I just started reading the Bible. I wanted to. I, I wanted to get open about my sin. I wanted to be in a relationship with God. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying when you really see God's loving mercy, when you really feel it, when it's buried deep in your heart, you will willingly offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And that brings us to our second and final point. Offer yourselves. Offer yourselves. When we hear the word sacrifice, we all sort of, oh, sacrifice. It sounds burdensome. And in life, we kind of want to do what we want to do. That's what all of us. And if, if, if I don't want to do it, I ain't doing it. Can be our first instinct. But again, you read Acts 2 and you see what they did selling houses, possessions. There didn't seem to be any like begrudging, forcing. It just sounded like they did it out of great joy. Eager volunteering. It was the natural response to the salvation they had just received. And in Romans 12, when Paul's talking about this idea of sacrifice, he's, he's actually using temple terminology from like the Old Testament, where it was the metaphor of a worshipper bringing a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And you would have to bring something from your flock or you'd buy one, and, and it had to be one without blemish or defect. It had to be perfect. Why? Because they, God didn't want them to be given their leftovers, like the little scrawny lamb or animal. He wanted their best. He wanted... They're all. He wanted wanted them to realize that yes, everything of mine is at God's disposal. And to be a living sacrifice is exactly that. It means to to be willing to obey God in any area of our life. That that we don't just give him the leftovers, but the very best. To, to be willing to thank God for whatever comes in our life, no matter how tough it can sometimes be. That, that not that we thank Him for the, the, the tough times, but that we thank Him that, that okay, some, something good can come out of this, no matter how bad it has been. Not that that was God's will, but that He can use it for His will. Paul's saying that if you, if you really get this, that God doesn't just want our, our inward abstract worship, but He wants a, our total lives as a worship to Him. And again, this can't be about pleasing men. It has to be about pleasing God. We obey and, and we live our lives to God, not to save ourselves, that's already been done. But just out of gratitude. Thank you so much, God. I, could, I can never pay you back. And it's interesting, then Paul goes on in Romans 12 and he says, uh, this is your proper, um, true and proper act of worship. And the Greek word for that, I think I've got it up here, is logikon. 
logikin, which we get the word logical from. So true and proper is this idea of it's it's the, your logical worship. Your only rational way to worship him. Paul's saying that living being a, a, a living sacrifice is the only logical thing to do in light of what God has done for us. And I think the the opposite is also true. That if you really see what God has done for you, anything other than willing willingly offering yourselves as a sacrifice is totally irrational. And it doesn't make sense. Acts chapter 2, they, they met each other's needs. They were family. They were a partnership. They were together. Everything together. Everyone together. If one person was in need, the other per- person willingly sacrificed if they had extra. We need to imitate this church. That we look after each other like we look after ourselves. This is loving your neighbour as you love yourself. And again, if someone is sick, we take care of them. If someone needs to stay, if someone doesn't have a place to stay at, we open up our home. If someone is hungry, we give them something to eat. If someone needs a ride somewhere, we give them a ride somewhere, even if it's out of our way. That we'll do anything to help those here and those we want to be here. If someone isn't here today, we, we don't just, well, I hope they're okay. We, we ask, hey, is everything okay? How are you? We, we take communion to them. We visit them. We look after them like they're our very own. Because they are. And we've all experienced this in the kingdom as well. In fact, it's probably what drew you to the kingdom. Seeing God's love lived out in people's lives. Not just playing religion, but, but actually sacrificing for one another. And seeing that love and tight-knit family. That's what drew probably many of you to it. That there's something different. Let's let that be so of the Birmingham church. That, that this is one big family. And yet there'll be issues, as there always is in families, but we stick at it together. We stick at it together. And it was amazing. Tia and I experienced that coming here. We came here and 99% of you we never knew or met. But we came in that first midweek. It was like you were family. Everyone was coming up and I was like blown away. People started giving us stuff for our homes, pots, pans, all sorts of stuff. And, and he just felt like, wow, it's, this is a family. Let's, let's keep doing that. Let's keep going. Let's, let's keep increasing that love. What, what, about, what about you? Are you offering yourself as a living sacrifice? Or have, or, have you, or have we lost that a bit? Have you lost that a bit? We th- and we come up with excuses. Well, that's again, it's not a command. Yeah, I know. But when we really see God's mercy, we don't have to be commanded to do stuff like that. We want to. Again, we, we need to have, have God's loving mercy as our view. And, and these are, I guess, that's big, grand ideas. But I think it just needs to simply start with 
having a mindset that wants to fill the needs. What can I give? What can I do? How can I serve in this family? And I really want to encourage each of you this week to to try and think of a need. And some of you and many of you hopefully already filling needs, but but maybe those who aren't, but again, all of us, think of a need. What what are some needs that, that need to be filled? If you don't know, maybe ask. Because there are needs out there. There always are. And there's a, there's a principle called the Pareto Principle. Or the 80-20, which, which says generally 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And in companies, sure, but let's not let that be so in the church. That 100% of the stuff is getting done by 100% of the people. Again, we, we need to have... This heart, I'm happy to fill any need. Oh, kids' kingdom? Oh, I was hoping you had something a bit more epic, maybe. No, no, anything. Are we offering to help set up sound on a Sunday? So that, <laughs> so that this, the worship team can focus more on, on just practicing and, and getting everything ready. And that frees them up. Are we offering to do that? Are we, are we offering to, to get the sound equipment to and from the building? Are we offering to, to come early and help set up chairs and maybe even lead the way and, and organise that? The 30th anniversary of the Birmingham Church is coming up. Are we offering ourselves to that, to make that the best weekend in the Birmingham Church? That, oh, I want to, is there any way I can help organize something? There are hope projects that we talked about. And there are other things that we want to do locally. That will require someone leading the way. Are we offering ourselves to that? Again, the true church is each of us offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Giving everything we can to help build our the church. Again, what will happen is we will we will read Acts 2 and we will look at this group and we'll think, that's that's this. And who doesn't want to be in a church like that? You think of the people that will come in here and be blown away. And I think to, to really just close out here, if, if we're at that stage, and this is okay, that but if we're at that stage where we're living this life being a living sacrifice if we feel like that's just a burden or maybe we're at the stage where we just lack passion we see living the life of a disciple as just a struggle we lack eagerness to be holy maybe you're stuck in some rut of sin thinking of walking away from God and and I just want to encourage you guys. There's obviously lots of complicated things happening, I'm sure, but, but the reason is generally simple. We've taken our eyes off God's mercy. Because when we have our eyes on God's mercy, we realize no matter what I'm going through, I know there's a God there who loves me more than anything else. And really the solution is simple if you're in that spot. I know it may not seem that and it may seem really tough, but the solution is focus back on God's mercy. 
do whatever you can. If it's writing what your life was like before you were a disciple and, and the transformation that happened when you became a disciple, whatever it takes, we need to fix our eyes on God's loving mercy. And if you're visiting with us today, I really want to encourage you, ask someone to study this out. Because when you see God's loving mercy, it won't just affect your Sunday routine, it'll affect your whole life. You will want to be a living sacrifice. You will want to have a relationship with God more than anything. Church, let's fix our eyes on God. On God's loving mercy. The sacrifice He's made for us. And when we really capture that, there'll be nothing we aren't willing to do for Him. Let's keep our eyes on His grace and and offer ourselves as living sacrifices as we serve together in the Birmingham Church. Amen.